0: If you're a Christian who's struggling with their Bible reading, it might be time for you to think more like a five-year-old. Yeah, I'm curious to see where I'm going with this, too. Hey, everybody. My name is Ray Burns, and I want to equip Christians to think biblically about every area of life so that they can keep growing in spiritual maturity. And in this episode, I want to give you a different way to think or something to perhaps address in your life if you are struggling with your Bible reading. And if you're not struggling with your Bible reading, this might be great too, because this may enhance your Bible reading even more and help you get even more out of God's Word. Now, if we are honest, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that at the very least, those early times of trying to read the Bible can be very difficult and very frustrating. There are Ways that things may be phrased, depending on your translation, that are maybe a little clumsy or unnatural for natural English speakers. There are words used we don't understand. There are names and places talked about. There may be entire kind of cultures that the writer assumes that we know about based on who he's writing to. Or, in just a broad sense, a lot of times, if we're honest, we can be reading our Bible, And after a few minutes, maybe after 10 minutes, we realize that we have read so many words and we cannot recall a single one of them, and we have absolutely no idea what's going on right now. And so obviously, as followers of God, we know that God's word contains ultimate truth. We want to love God and we want to love the word that he's given us. But sometimes it's a lot easier to love God than it can be to love his word. Not that God is in any way simpler, but we can rest assured that we understand God in our own little way, but God's word is very different because there is an objective way for us to know yes or no if we understand what we're reading. Even if we have different interpretations from someone, it is very obvious to us or to people we're talking to if we just genuinely have no idea what we're talking about when we're referring to these words in this book that we're reading. And so if we want to get to know God better and truly know him, not just know him based on opinion or feeling, we have to know his word. We have to study it. We have to dive deeply into it. And not only does that help us understand God, it helps us understand us, our walk with Christ. So much of our lives can be answered in God's word if we know how to find it. But it's that whole act of finding it that so many of us struggle with. And whenever you are wanting to address that problem, there is, of course, no shortage of content out there. There's books, videos, Bible studies. There's all kinds of stuff designed to help people get to know their Bibles better. And so people can spend so much of their time, even years, finding the best study materials, listening to the best books or reading the best books, listening to YouTube videos and podcast episodes and different teachers and sermons. They can try to find the very best Bible, whether it's a translation or a study Bible. They can find all kinds of other materials like commentaries to help them to better understand the Bible. They can try to figure out their own reading habits and figure out what they need. Do they need an audio Bible? Do they need, you know, a certain kind of, Text, print? Do they need to read in the morning, at night? Do they do better before or after their coffee? All kinds of stuff can go into helping us try to maximize or address the weaknesses of reading the Bible. And I don't want to at all discourage or disparage any of these. You know, I've, even on this podcast and on my blog, I've talked a lot about different tools, different methods that we can use to enhance our Bible reading. I've recommended different books and things like that. But here is the reality. All of those are going to be absolutely worthless without what I'm going to talk about in this episode. Because a lot of times we turn to all these different books and programs and habits and things like that as some kind of magical cure-all. We think, oh, if I can just find the right book, find the right Bible commentary, translation, study or reading methods, whatever, then that'll just fix everything. But I'm going to be honest and say that it's not going to, because there is something that a lot of us lack that is probably the greatest problem with our Bible reading. And if we don't develop it, then no amount of good material outside of God's word is going to do anything for us because it's all going to be wasted on us. And so in this episode, I want to talk about why every Christian everywhere has to develop something that maybe doesn't come naturally to them, but it is something that everyone can develop. And that trait, that way of thinking is called inquisitiveness or being inquisitive. Now, what do I mean by that? Because maybe that's a new word for people or people say, oh, well, being inquisitive, that's like being curious, right? And In a way, it is like being curious in the sense of you see something you don't understand, you ask a question. But here's why I use the word inquisitive instead of curious. So a curious person will read something in the Bible and say, hmm, that's weird. I wonder what that means. And then they'll keep reading. A curious person will at the very least recognize that they have read something they don't fully understand and it piques their curiosity. However, an inquisitive person will read that same thing in the Bible, say, Hmm, I wonder what that means. And then they will go try to understand what it means. So, this is what inquisitiveness means. Being inquisitive is like being really a five year old. You know, if you, you know, I've got four kids of my own, and I you know, have just grown up with kids, and I know that when kids hit that age of, you know, between three and five, they get incredibly inquisitive because they will see things in the world. They will hear us tell them things, tell them to do something, and constantly they will hear this information, encounter this information, process it, realize they don't understand it, and they will ask the very important and sometimes very frustrating question of why or what is this? And really, that's great. Sometimes, you know, I'm a parent. I can I can admit it. I'll admit it for all of us. It can be a little overwhelming when it's constantly, well, why, 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 and you just want to, you know, just say because I said so. But we don't want to do that. We want to foster inquisitiveness in children and help them understand why. They should believe things, why they should understand things. And as adults, we also want to have that same mentality of, I don't understand something in the Bible. I don't understand something my pastor said, something I've read from another Christian. There is something about God I don't understand. And instead of just sitting and being like, well, I guess I don't understand it. Instead, we need to go out and try to find that answer. Try to say that this is something that someone says is true. Someone tells me that this is how it is, or God's word just talks about something I don't understand. I know that there is an answer. I just need to go and find it. And so that is ultimately what inquisitiveness is. And when I'm talking about it in this episode, that's what I'm getting at is I want to encourage people to see that they lack an understanding in something and then give you the motivation or desire or even the tools to start the process of finding that answer Understanding, of course, we cannot know everything, both as the fact that we are just human beings with a limited amount of time on this earth, and there are just things that are beyond us. I have a, for example, a, uh, I think, two-part series on this blog about why it's okay that there's things about God we don't understand. And as Christians, we do need to be somewhat comfortable with that reality. But for the most part, God's word is written for us to understand something, either about God or about us as we relate to God. And so if God desires for us to know those things, then those things are going to be knowable. Now, why does all this matter? Well, I've hinted at it already that basically it's how we arrive at truth. And in a broad sense, inquisitiveness is necessary everywhere. We, just as human beings, just removing the theological aspect from it, we only understand things about science, art, philosophy, our own lives, knowledge and understanding, so much about life we only know because we or someone who came before us was inquisitive enough to start poking at it and trying to figure something out. And with this, we see that To be inquisitive, to learn, to go from not knowing to knowing requires us to be active and engaged. And this is why this episode matters and why inquisitiveness itself matters, is because we cannot just be content to just sit with our ignorance and say, well, I don't know, but that's okay, I'll just keep going. Sometimes, yes, we will have to, but too often and too easily, we get locked into this pattern of confronting something confusing or difficult and not wanting to do the work, whether it's because we're lazy, whether it's because we're too proud to admit that we're ignorant, whether it's because we're afraid of what it means if our understanding is wrong about something. Whatever it is, we get into this pattern of not addressing things that we don't understand. And when we do that, the the reality is we are not going to grow. We are not going to learn. And over time, we're not really going to understand our own faith because we're going to be spending years doing all these things, telling our kids to do these things or our friends. And we're going to have no clue why we're not going to be able to defend it. And so when someone finally does confront us with something, either they challenge us or they bring up a new truth to us and say, Hey, I heard this one teacher saying this or that. What do you think? And When someone has a reason to believe what they do, and we do not have a reason to believe what we do, logically, the evidence, the proof, the reasoning is going to win out, and we are going to be tossed to and fro and follow every kind of teaching that promises us a better understanding than what we currently have. So... Ultimately, inquisitiveness just matters because it makes us actively engaged with what we believe is true. It sets us up to grow in maturity, to defend our faith, to challenge others who may be involved in some kind of false teaching or just are misguided in how they're understanding something. This trait is so critical to everything that it means to be a mature believer and a mature follower of Jesus Christ. Because it's all just about learning more about God's word, and through that, learning more about God. Now, I'm not just making all this up, of course. Even God's word commends those who are not content to just sit and hear things and either reject it because it's different from what they believe, or accept it because it sounds good enough to them. So two examples I just want to bring up is first in Acts chapter 17, verses 11 to 12. So the kind of precursor to this is that Paul had visited the city of Thessalonica, and he went there. There was a, a fairly large, we can assume, a Jewish group there. And as they came and they preached the truth of Jesus Christ and gave them the gospel, they were quite literally chased out of town. These Jews were so angry at them challenging their traditions and their beliefs and how they were living their lives that paul's life was quite likely in danger he could have died if he had stuck around so he actually had to flee the city of thessalonica leaving behind any of the christians who were there and so as uh luke as he's writing the book of acts as he's recording this he then picks up in Acts 17 verses 11 to 12 and in comparison to thessalonica he says this now these jews in Berea, were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So here we see this really interesting contrast in Paul having gone to Thessalonica, and he you know, proclaim the truth of the gospel and was just chased out because people just plugged their ears and started chasing after him. They did not want to hear the truth. They didn't want to be challenged in their assumptions. Then Paul comes to Berea and it says that it is a complete 180, a night and day difference because they heard what Paul was saying and they received it with, it says, eagerness. They were curious. They loved to hear this. They were having new things presented to them. And again, they were still Jews. They had been living a Jewish law-based life, just like those in Thessalonica. But then look at what it says they did. They were inquisitive. It says that they examined the scriptures daily to see if the things that Paul was saying about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, were true. And many of them therefore believed. So it says that because they searched the scriptures because they were not content to either sit in their tradition or just you know oh yeah that sounds good we'll we'll convert to this whole jesus thing no they heard what paul said they were desiring to grow they were desiring to please god and because of that they searched the scriptures and then were saved And so God's word doesn't just say what happened here, but this is a commendation. This is a praise for these people, not because they were somehow better, but because they wanted to know God and they were rewarded for it. They sought the truth and found the truth and through that found salvation. And we can only assume that from there they continued searching scripture, continued to want to grow in their faith and understanding of God and Jesus Christ and their life in him. And they set an example for us today. Their inquisitiveness led them to a deeper Bible study. So that's a key thing. That's, that's one key thing is that when we're inquisitive, we're going to study the word more. Now, another place that I'd like us to look at, and why inquisitiveness matters, and where it's going to take us, is we've seen with the Bereans, it leads us deeper into God's word. But now I want to talk about another situation in the book of Acts, and this is Acts chapter 8, verses 29 to 34. It says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip was walking along the way, he... uh, saw a chariot, and there was a guy reading something aloud. He was reading a piece of the Old Testament aloud. And so the Holy Spirit talks to him and says, hey, go over there and join up with this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you know what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this just a quick pause just to kind of catch up what we've seen here. So Philip is, is traveling along the way. He hears this guy reading. And so the Holy spirit says, Hey, go talk to him. Philip goes up to him and says, Hey, you know, Philip recognizes that it's Isaiah and says, do you know what that is? And this guy's like, how am I supposed to know unless someone guides me and explains it to me? And so critical here is that he invites Philip to sit with him. Philip doesn't just, you know, come up and make this guy listen. This guy asks Philip to sit down and help him understand. And this is what he was reading in Isaiah. It says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation. Justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and, beginning with this scripture, he told the good news about Jesus Christ. So here is another way that inquisitiveness matters and where it should lead us. So a guy was reading something. He was confused. It was weird. He even asks a very pointed question. He says, Is Isaiah talking about himself, that he was silent before the shears and there was no justice done to him? Or is he talking about somebody else? He had a question. He recognized that he did not understand. And he did two things. He invited someone to sit down with him to help him understand it. And he was asking specific questions. He didn't just say, hey, sit down and just tell me what this is. He saw something he didn't understand and he wanted to know it better. And from there, Philip was able to enter into a at least temporary or brief relationship with this eunuch and explain to him the gospel that was being talked about in this passage in Isaiah. So where did his inquisitiveness lead him? It led him to discipleship. It led him to seeking truth from someone who he understood knew more than he did. And he was not content to just sit and read and kind of hear the words and think, oh, that's cool. He wasn't content to say, oh, well, here's what I think it means. Here's what I feel it means. He wanted to know the truth. And he asked someone who he assumed, rightly in this case, could help him understand it better. So here is why inquisitiveness matters is because when we are not content in our ignorance, in our misunderstanding, or even in our doubt, We're going to go to two different places. We're going to go to God's Word, like the Bereans did. We're going to search God's Word. We're going to compare Scripture with Scripture. We're going to read the deeper context of something that's confusing us. We're going to go to other parts of God's Word that also talks about this. And we're going to go to other followers of Jesus Christ, those who are maybe more mature than us or those we know are likely to help us go in the right direction. So Bible reading and discipleship. These are necessary qualities of the Christian life, and they are almost impossible without us asking questions and trying to understand it better. We can't be passive in this. We can't be passive in our Bible reading or in our beliefs. Because if we do, then we're going to sit there and we're going to be like the church in Thessalonica, where when someone says something that is different from what we already want to believe, then we're going to reject them. Or, like it says elsewhere in scripture, how we can be, you know, if we don't understand why we believe what we believe, we're going to be tossed to and fro with every wave of doctrine. We're going to be easily swayed to anything because we have no idea what to believe. Likewise... If we are not inquisitive in asking questions and searching for answers, then we're going to sit in our own pride, in our own fear, and refuse to reach out to anyone because we are afraid to admit that we don't know. We're afraid to just talk to people in general, or we think that no one has anything to offer beyond what we already know for ourselves. There is so much blessing in searching and studying God's word and learning about God's word alongside other Christians that we will deprive ourselves of If we are not inquisitive and searching for answers and not being content until we have arrived at something. Now, maybe you're listening to this and maybe you realize, like me, that it is really hard to be inquisitive sometimes. It's not something that is just natural to everyone. It's actually quite often very uncomfortable. Now if you have been kind of practicing this for years, it becomes very second- nature to where you don't even think about it. Um, I know when I wrote my article, I had someone actually comment to me that you know, it never actually occurred to me to tell people that they need this because it seems so obvious. And for a lot of Christians, maybe it does seem obvious because of, you know we only know truth because we have dug, because we have searched God's Word and entered into a relationship with someone who will also help us to understand God's Word. But for a lot of people, they can feel very stuck in their walk with Christ because they are a passive participant in their own growth. They aren't asking questions of the Bible. They aren't asking questions of other Christians. And so why? Why would we deprive ourselves of this? Why is this not something that comes natural? Well, I want to say it has nothing to do with intelligence or skill or even natural talent. Absolutely everyone who is capable of thought is capable of this. I said before, it's it's like a 5-year-old. 5-year-olds have inquisitiveness. They are hungry to understand this world around them. They aren't content to sit by and just see cars drive by without asking how they work, hearing noises from airplanes in the sky and not looking up and trying to figure out what the source of that sound is. Five-year-olds are not content to sit by and just go through their life. They want to understand. They are hungry to understand. They are even a little pestering in trying to understand. And that is how we need to be. We were like that when we were children. We can be like that again. And we should be like that. Maybe not as annoying, but we should be hungry for truth and understanding and seeking to discover it ourselves or asking others to help us. But why don't we? And I'm going to say, and obviously... As with many answers like this, there's no one single answer. I'm not going to sit here and try to make a small section of an episode just explaining everything about why we are so passive in our learning or why being inquisitive is difficult. But something to point to that I think at least a lot of people will be able to identify with, at least in part, is that our culture has conditioned us to be very passive in our lives. And I don't think this is necessarily some evil, wicked mind control thing. And, you know, it's a 1984 Norwellian nightmare But because of how our culture is, it has become very easy for us as human beings to give in to what is probably natural for a lot of us and to not struggle, but instead to sit back, not to work, but instead let the work be done for us. Because today, and I mean, this has been true for decades, but more and more with each passing year, there are more ways for for information to just bombard us every day, every moment of the day. And for a lot of us, especially over the years, we get very accustomed to hearing things without really engaging our minds. Uh, There was a really interesting study done, and it's been done several times, where a news source or some group will create a headline that says something that's really controversial or whatever. And people in the comment section of, you know, if it's posted on Facebook or Twitter, people in the comment section will just go to war about this headline. But if you were to click it, the website very clearly will say something to the effect of, this was a test to see if people would read headlines before reacting to them, if they would read the full story instead of just reacting to the few words of the title. But you go to that comment section, and there are hundreds or even thousands of people so upset or so excited for something being said, and they are making this huge debate about it, having not actually read the content. And that is just, I think, a glimpse, a, a picture into how we as people have started being conditioned to think. It's that we hear information and we don't dig into it. We don't try to understand it. We don't look at the sources of it or what this means and things like that. We hear information and either it bounces off of us. I mean, you think of how many deaths that we hear about on a weekly basis from various natural or man-made disasters and events. You know, so many people die and that information bounces off of us. We hear stuff on the news and it bounces off of us. And so we've learned to be very passive and not engaging with things or we hear something and we just immediately decide something without trying to better understand it. And in that way, in both of those situations, whether we let stuff bounce off of us without giving it a second thought, or we just assume that something is true, both of those are a sign that we are being very passive in our learning and in our interpretation of what is happening in the world. And you do that enough, and especially with how often as you scroll through social media, especially, or you sit and listen to the news, there is constant information being just thrown at you. And you can't realistically stop and try to digest it all and look at primary sources and try to see who is saying this and what kind of angle they may have confirming with other people about what this means or what they think. That takes time for a single piece of news. And I mean, on the daily, I haven't looked at the statistics, but we have to be on a very low level confronted with dozens of pieces of information and headlines every single day. And so as maybe a survival kind of mechanism or just something that we've learned that we have to do is we just become very passive. We don't think critically. We don't try to decide, should this be part of my worldview or not? We either accept it immediately or just completely ignore it. We don't, we don't try with it. We aren't active in understanding the world around us. We just let people do the thinking for us. And so then when this is just natural to us then when we're in God's word we're in church we're reading we're listening you know whatever whatever way we're engaging with spiritual matters when something comes up it comes up as information and so without thinking about it we already process that information in the same way that we process other information we either listen to it and immediately make a decision on it without digging deeper or we just let it wash over us And just remain completely unfazed by it because, oh, it's just more words coming at me or we're just overwhelmed or overloaded or whatever. And that is what a lot of us are bringing to our walk with Christ is we are very passive. We're not growing. We're frustrated. We don't understand things. And for a lot of people, this may be the reason why is they have just been conditioned by the world to not critically engage with information not wrestle with difficult things, not question what everyone else is saying, and instead accept it without thought or reject it without thought. And now if you're realizing that that is you, then that actually presents you with a really unique and interesting opportunity. Because you need to ask yourself, are you content to realize this about yourself and to continue to sit back and not dig deeper into things that you don't understand? Does it bother you that maybe you do see things that you don't understand and you're merely curious. You simply say, hmm, that's weird. I don't understand that. And then refuse or not even think to do the work required to find the answer to that. If you realize this sort of spiritual laziness in your life, that's not a condemnation. That is basically you just being a human and seeing that There is an opportunity to grow now in your walk with Christ, to see something that has been holding you back, that has been creating a problem with getting to know your Savior better, understanding your Heavenly Father, better realizing the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. There is so much about your life that maybe you feel like you've been missing out on because you realize you haven't been asking questions. This is your moment. This is it. And so if you're realizing that about yourself or you're just interested in this topic, I want to basically just end this with a how-to of sorts. Let's get really practical. How do you develop an inquisitive mind? How do you go from someone who just sees information and just says, huh, okay, that's true, or here's what I think it is, and then just going on? Or how do you go from someone who just has information bounce off of them, where you're sitting and you're reading your Bible and you're getting all this stuff and you just keep on charging through and you just keep saying, oh, I don't understand it. Oh, I don't get it. Oh, that's weird. Without it phasing you or bothering you that God has laid something out. He has divinely inspired a writer to write these things and we don't really care. How do we go beyond this? Well, the the basic foundation is to remember, that the core of being inquisitive is super duper simple. Ask questions, go find answers. All right, that's the end of the episode. Congratulations, you've got it. No, okay, we'll, we'll dig deeper. But, but really, this topic, it seems complex, it seems difficult, it seems overwhelming, but it is super duper simple. Ask a question about something you don't understand, go find the answer. Be like the Bereans and find the answer in God's word. Or be like the eunuch and go find the answer through another follower of Jesus Christ. Not, of course, saying, oh, because so-and-so said it, I trust it, but allowing them to be used by God in your life to basically drive you deeper into God's word. So how do we do that, though? What are some practical steps we can take? What are some ways that we can change our thinking or change our practices in order to be more inquisitive so that you can be like maybe many believers around you where the idea of being inquisitive, of not being content with not knowing, just becomes a natural part of your life to where you can't believe you ever read the Bible without being inquisitive. Well, I've got just a handful of practical things. There are, of course, probably many more ways, but these are for me when I've talked to people or even how God has worked in my own life in developing inquisitiveness. So, The first and perhaps maybe one of the most important things is to be intentional with every piece of information that you're hearing. So if you're listening to your pastor or some random dude on a podcast somewhere, if you're listening to maybe an audiobook or reading a book, if you are just talking with people in general and someone brings up an idea or if when you're just reading God's word and especially when you're reading God's word. Make sure that when something is said, when something is brought up or pointed out, that you are always understanding what is being said. Now, with speakers and things like that, that's a a bit easier because most often people will say things in a way that you can basically understand what they're talking about. And maybe they'll say one thing that's a little weird. But with God's word, a lot of times we can get bogged down and it could take us a whole week to get through just a chapter of God's word. If we are constantly chasing down questions and I guarantee you next year, if you read that chapter again, you're going to have even more questions come up. And so we'll get to how to kind of control this overwhelming amount of digging deeper for truth or maybe even avoiding rabbit trails. But for now, the important thing to realize is that it is critical to be intentional and to make sure that you are trying to understand what's being said. You need to be actively involved, even in the listening and reading process. And that sounds weird because a lot of times we think that reading and listening, we are just kind of passive participants. We are audience members to what someone else is creating. And in a way we are, but with something like God's word or those who are talking about God's word. We can't just be passive. We can't just hear them say things and not challenge what it is that we're hearing. And so with this, make sure that one, you understand what is being said and also understand why someone is saying it, whether it's a biblical writer, whether it's just another Christian, make sure you understand why they're saying what they're saying, because we can come up with all kinds of ideas about an individual sentence. But when we better understand the context that they're saying in, with the belief system that they have, with the culture they're speaking to and things like that, we're going to be better able to understand and piece through what there is being said and why it's being said. And so when we do this, we're going to have a very critical safeguard put up against being lazy and passive. If we are constantly listening, sitting forward in our seat, actually engaging our mind and saying, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm reading. Could I explain this to someone else? Can I articulate why I believe this? Why I agree with this? And if we can't, that is a clear sign that we need to ask a question. Now, I'm not saying maybe raise your hand in church and saying, uh, Pastor, can you stop and just explain what you mean by grace and things like that? You know, those were maybe questions better asked outside of that teaching time. But don't just be like, huh, I don't know what they mean by that. That's weird. And then just go on about our merry way. With God's word, it's a lot easier because we're already kind of in control of the time we're spending there. And so we can stop. We can find information. We can ask others for information. But the one thing that we can't do is to be lazy and passive and just not even care. Because when we do that, we will not grow. We will not understand God's word. We will not understand God in general. And therefore, we are not going to know how to live for God and glorify him. Now, the second way to develop inquisitiveness is to stop reading random Bible verses if you've been here long enough, you're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to skip forward about 20 minutes as he goes off about just reading a verse of the day." <laughs> but really though, I'm not trying to make people feel bad if you read a verse of the day. It's a natural thing, especially the less we understand about God's word, the more we feel like it can be just a collection of clever sayings that we can just throw up on our wall or on a coffee mug or tattoo on us. But one of the dangers of reading random Bible verses is that it is just confusing what is being said, because we realize that reading a verse is part of usually a longer paragraph or even a longer sentence. I mean, some verses are not complete sentences on their own, but it is a small piece of a much bigger context. So everything that's written, you know, just open your Bible and just point to a verse. And I guarantee you that verse is going to have something very common to it. It is going to be one part of a bigger paragraph or thought. That is going to be part of just a whole book of the Bible. That book is going to be part of a certain genre. So you have the Psalms, you know, which are poetry. You have A lot of the uh, early Old Testament books, you know, Genesis and stuff like that, that is history. You know, same with Kings and Chronicles, you know, that is history. That is recording events that happened. Uh, Revelation and parts of Daniel are apocalyptic, so they have very different rules for reading them. So everything that is written, all that to say, everything that's written has a purpose in mind. It's written by a certain writer with a certain writing style. They are writing to a certain group of people. They, are, they have a beginning and an end in mind. They don't just kind of start talking out of nowhere. They have a purpose in what they're doing. They say things in a certain way with a, a reason in mind, and they leave things out for a purpose and with something in mind. But we miss all of that. When we just use, you know, the verse of the day on an, on an app or getting email or even just opening our Bibles and saying, let's see what God has for me today. When we do that, we are in a way it's like spending, you know, sitting down in the middle of a movie, watching 30 seconds of it, realizing that there's been, you know, maybe an hour of of story and context before this, and then just trying to figure out what's happening in the movie and acting like we know. I mean, we know that'd be silly. It would be silly to open a 300-page novel and 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 start at a sentence in the last third of the novel and just go on as though we completely understand the story and the characters and what's happening here. When we read the Bible, I'm not going to try to necessarily sit here and say you have to do it this way or else, but if we're going to be responsible Bible readers, if we're going to glorify God and treasure his word for what it is, then We can't just keep reading random verses and trying to understand what's happening. We need to start at the beginning of a book and go until the end of the book, just like with a movie, just like with any other book. There are very few books in the 66 books of the Bible that allow us to just drop in in the middle. Now I would say poetry, you know, Psalms and, and, and wisdom literature, like Proverbs There's an argument to be made for maybe dropping in middle of a chapter, but even in those individual verses are often part of a bigger thought that the writer is building on. So, you know, dropping into the third verse of a Psalm that is just like any song out there that is building on something that started with the very first word of that song or that poem. So to develop your inquisitiveness, you you will do yourself a massive favor by not letting confusion come simply because of your bible reading habits you will have questions there will be confusion but don't let the confusion come because you are sitting down in the middle of a movie and asking your friend hey what's going on who's that what's going on there why did they say that what's that building that is a confusion that is of our own making that is our own fault and that we don't need to have in our time in god's word so Pick something in the New Testament, pick a letter from Paul, pick a gospel, start chapter one, verse one, and just read, read it in the context that it's written in. Now, the next one, and this is where you get to be a really active participant. Um, And this is one I've been, I've been telling people to do this for a while. And I wish, I know that I got this from someone, but for the life of me, I have no idea who it's original to, or maybe it's one of those things that's so old that it's just, There. But I heard this and this transformed my Bible reading, and I think it's going to transform yours. And that is to ask three and only three questions. I'm not going to come break down your door if you ask more. But for the sake of this, you know, I talked earlier about how when we're reading a chapter in the Bible or reading a whole book or even a few verses, we can come up with question after question after question. And if we spend time and chase down every single question that comes up, we're going to make no forward progress. And while that seems very holy and very pious and, oh, you know, I'm such a good Christian because it takes me a whole week to get through two Bible verses from my experience from my experience talking to others it is going to frustrate you because you spend so much time learning truth that you're not just enjoying god's word and and what you've committed to reading you know so if you're sitting down and reading the book of luke or the letter to the philippians and you it's been a month and you're you know just now getting over chapter 1 you can kind of start losing sight of what is going on you know the bigger picture of what's been said because if it takes you that much time to get through just kind of an introduction and some some basic startup to what you know the writer is saying you're gonna lose track in a year when you finally finish that book and be like okay wait so what happened how did this start who's writing this what day is it so to help you better get control of what you're doing the, the method that I would very strongly encourage, especially if this is a bit newer for you or you're just now getting into deeper Bible reading, is whenever every day when you sit down to read God's word, read it and have the mind, have the intentional mentality to say, I am going to read this and I am going to ask three questions, either while I'm reading or when I'm done reading the chapter or section that I've chosen to read today. And this is great because even if you are only reading for, let's say, five minutes, you know, just just taking a short time to read God's word for that day, even in five minutes, you can come up with three questions. And it's a very manageable number. It is encouraging you, one, to, again, be intentional, to be actively engaged it is encouraging you to think about the context that you're reading in. So you're not just grabbing random Bible verses, but you're seeing how what's being said is progressing. And it protects you from getting overwhelmed by having 20 or 30 questions after two verses, because you're saying, once I've got three, I'm done. And you can keep reading, or you can maybe erase questions and have others. But just, just confine yourself to three questions. And when you do that you're going to be actively engaged in what's happening. You're going to start noticing patterns of what the writer is saying. You're going to stop and think, oh, well, no, that was a question, but I actually understand it. And you're going to be seeing some encouragement there when you know there are times when you understand or you can answer your own question. But the big thing here is that it's just driving you to want to understand, to recognize that you aren't understanding something and then realizing that, You have questions that do have answers out there somewhere. So as just an example of what this might look like, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter one verses just three to 10. I'm going to read it. You can follow along if you'd like. And then I'm just going to just come up with three questions that just pop out to me about curious or confusing or what seem to be important things that Paul is laying out. So Ephesians chapter one verses three to 10. things in heaven and things on earth. Now there is so much going on here. And honestly, as I'm reading it, I can come up with three questions just in the first sentence or two. This is a deep and rich truth that Paul is laying out. And this is just the first kind of the introduction in his letter to the church in Ephesus. This is chapter one, verses three to 10. This is after his basic greeting. This is the first thing he says to them. And already we have a boatload of questions. Now, just three that I picked out, three that aren't trying to delve too deeply into the deeper theology of things like chosen before the foundation of the world and predestined to adoption, even not asking those really hard questions. Here are just some questions that we might be able to ask that will get us thinking more about what we're reading here. So, question number one, what does it mean that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? What, what is the spiritual blessing? Why do we only have them that are in the heavenly places? What are the heavenly places? What is Paul talking about here? Number two, why did God predestine us in love? How else could he have predestined us? What does this look like? What does the rest of God's word say about what this process was or what this this predestining means? And number three, Why specifically do we have redemption through Christ's blood? What is special about blood? Why did Christ's blood have to be shed? What are we redeemed from? What does redemption mean? What did that process look like? So we have three questions. And within those three questions, you can even hear we have more questions that are sort of embedded in there. And they can be very difficult. They can take an entire day of research just trying to understand the basics of it. And that's okay. We don't have to chase down all of these. Sometimes there's days we aren't going to chase down any of them. But when we ask three questions, we are forcing ourselves to engage with it. We are demanding that we have to do more than simply read and let the words wash over us. If we tell ourselves, I have to ask three questions, then we are reading with the intention of knowing what it is that we do know, but also seeing things that maybe we don't understand or don't understand as clearly as we think we do. If we just read this without thinking about it, because I guarantee you, there are times where I've done it and you've done it, where we've read maybe Ephesians chapter 1. And we've read this and we've heard it and we said, "Yep, that sounds good. Yep. Uh-huh. I'm on board." But if someone were to ask us, "Hey, what does it mean that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? How did how is it that God predestined us in love? What's the deal with redemption through Christ's blood?" And we would suddenly feel a bit less confident than we did when we were initially reading it on our own without having anything to hold us accountable for understanding what we're reading or what it is that we believe. Now, from here, I would encourage you to start picking one question that you want to understand better. Now, some questions may really just grab your attention and make you just hungry to know the truth. And some, they may just have a really simple answer and don't require much deep diving for now. But the critical thing here is not the quality of the questions or the length of time that you spend reading versus studying. The important thing with asking three questions really is to just ask the three questions and then find an answer to one of them. Maybe you do one a week. Maybe you do one a day or, you know, a handful a week or something like that. But don't just ask the questions because that's just being curious. Ask the questions, pick one, and then try to find the answer. Now, the next step and I hope that you didn't pause the episode and start doing that, because the next step is going to go against our natural inclination. Because when we ask that question and we go to find the answer, the first thing we do, the first thing you know you're picturing yourself doing is going to Google. Or if you're older, maybe you'll go to a some kind of encyclopedia or or commentary, or book, you know, if if you're old school like that, but for the vast majority of people, we have a near limitless amount of information and answers on Google. So it makes the most sense to go to Google, and because we know that Google tends to display, like, the top websites or the top resources for what you're asking, we say, okay, the top three here should easily give me the answer I need. And for some things, you know, if you're trying to understand what the this warning signal in your car means, for the most part, the first answer you get is probably going to be the right one. But for understanding God's word, there is a huge danger in just settling for that easy answer. Now, again, some questions, they may just mean that. they They may allow for an easy answer. But you're going to have some questions that seem straightforward, but they are Very complicated, and they demand not just an answer to that question, but what you believe about other things in general. So, let me give you an example of what I mean. So, the first question that we asked about the passage in Ephesians was What does it mean that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Now, at one point, I actually Googled that question, and I came back with 38,000 links that I could click on. 38,000. Now, I don't do math except for when I'm homeschooling the kids, so I'm not going to go into percentages on that, but the odds that the true, correct, definite answer being found in the top three of that is abysmally low. Now, they will give me an answer, certainly, I can I can read the little blurb that just comes up on the Google results page. I can click on the very first link and most likely it's going to be a very basic answer because basic answers are the most popular answers that people want because we want simple answers and simple solutions. But the odds are very good that that's not going to get us going in the right direction. Because a lot of times they will just a a simple Google search result it tells us what someone thinks or what someone's opinion is, but we have no idea how they arrived at that answer. We don't know what their basic foundational beliefs are. We don't know what, what methods they use. We don't know if they even came up with the question or the answer on their own, but instead they've just been regurgitating something that someone else said, but they don't know why they said it. And so it just becomes this tradition where it's this obvious, easy answer. But we have no way to know if it's the correct one. And so here is another critical component about inquisitiveness is you're not just searching for answers, right? You're not just a kid who says, hey, mom, why does the helicopter fly like that? And mom says, oh, well, because that's just how it's made. And the kid says, "Okay, that's fine. You know, that's that's base level inquisitiveness. That is just trying to get answers for things that are super confusing to you. But really and truly understanding God's word should drive us to understand truth, not just answers. We need to know why this is an answer, not just what the answer is. And very often that is going to take much more than just a quick Google search and seeing what something like the Gospel Coalition or Christianity Today says about it. But it requires engaging with a lot of different materials or actually just going to God's word instead of getting someone else's opinion on what something says. There's there's so much more to understanding the truth of the Bible than just getting a very cleanly packaged answer that is written for the Google algorithm to put it on the front page of the search results. Now, somewhat branching off that, but also somewhat, somewhat on its own, is that it is important to us, if we want to develop inquisitiveness, to challenge things that we either don't understand... Or that we don't agree with. Now, within Christianity, it gets very tempting and very easy to just stay quiet and repeat what other people have said rather than admit that we don't know something and try to find the truth of that thing. It's also, on the same way, very tempting to just kind of nod our heads or try to change the subject when people say things that we disagree with. However, while not saying to confront absolutely everyone, because part of wisdom is learning to pick your battles and figuring out when things are worth pursuing if we're going to practice inquisitiveness and especially in the safety of the body of jesus christ then when someone says something we don't understand or something we don't agree with rather than just try to keep the peace or not be embarrassed that is our opportunity to ask what do you mean by that why do you say that why do you believe that where are you getting that from not doing it to challenge them or make them feel bad, but really and truly saying, I don't understand where this is coming from. Can you help me understand your thought process or where you're getting this truth? Now, even beyond just conversations, again, if we're reading something in God's word, or we hear the pastor say something, then it can become very important to go find someone who can help us better understand what it was that was said, either, you know, in the Bible or from a person that we just, we don't understand or we don't agree with. And with this, this is where having a mature Christian in your life is so critical. Maybe it's not someone who's more mature than you, but someone who is, you know, if you're already mature, someone who's on your level where you can, you know, iron sharpening iron and going to them with questions that you have, or if you are maybe a less mature believer or somewhere in the middle, or you are just blessed to have someone, whatever your maturity level is, if you're blessed to have someone who is has wisdom and understanding that you can use, then I'll tell you from my experience, go to that Christian and try to have them help you understand it, whether it's through regular discipleship, which is, I think, very critical for Christians to be involved in, or even just having someone that you know that you can just shoot a message to, or an email, or, or a phone call, or whatever, and just say, hey, I heard this. What do you think about this? I don't understand this. Can you help me understand? And this is great for you, because you are able to have have the safety of another believer to, to check you from maybe finding Bible verses on your own and going down a really weird path that you didn't mean to go down. So it's a huge blessing to you to get involved in some kind of a discipleship or just a a conversation with a more mature or a more knowledgeable believer. It's a blessing to you, but it's also a huge blessing to them. Because that allows them to serve God by taking things that maybe they've struggled with themselves and getting to bless another follower of Jesus Christ who wants to know truth, who is actively involved in hearing things and reading things and not just being passive, but instead wanting to know what is true versus what may be a misunderstanding. And so, you know, I'll just give you just some examples from my own life. Uh, You know, because I, you know, people who know me, they know that if they have a Bible question, I'm excited to talk to them about it. Not because I just want to be all smart and hold it over them, but, but it's, it's an opportunity for me to serve God. And it's just exciting for me because people, when people ask me questions, I don't think I've ever had a question that someone asked me where I didn't think that is so cool. I am so excited. I am so encouraged that they are actively engaged in what they're hearing and reading. So, you know, just some examples, you know, I've had, I've had the really hard questions and even some of the articles and podcast episodes I've done have been in one way, a response to people who are trying to understand something, but even just some examples of a little more, uh, innocent questions I've had where people are like, you know, Hey, I know this is a stupid question. I'm embarrassed to have to ask, but you know, so just some examples. Uh, I had someone ask me, they were reading, um, the story or the narrative of Daniel and they're reading something and they're like, Hey, reading this, does this mean that Daniel was made a eunuch because he was a slave in the Babylonian empire? And it's like, it's one of those things. It doesn't change anything about our salvation, but that was a sign to me. Hey, someone is reading this, piecing things together, knowing something about the context and trying to say, does this equal that? Uh, Another question I had is How did, how, how is it that we as Christians say that people like Moses or David or, or the prophets, they were inspired by the Holy spirit to write old Testament scripture when the Holy spirit wasn't given to believers until Acts chapter two. So how is it that they were divinely inspired if they didn't have the spirit? Uh, Another one uh, that was fun for me is the story of Jacob and Esau and my friend was reading this and they realized, you know, Esau came, Esau was prized. He was loved by his father for being this big game hunter and being able to, you know, hunt really well and provide good food. But he came in from the field so hungry and so starving that he thought either really or, or in his mind that he was going to die because he was so hungry. So why is, is the Bible portraying him as this great hunter who can't even get himself a squirrel to munch on when he's out hunting. And, and again, you know, these questions, they're, they're kind of small potatoes, right? They don't, they don't change any huge doctrines. They don't, they aren't something that a church is going to divide over because I say this about Esau and, Oh, are you kidding me? No, clearly this is what was up with Esau. These aren't huge things, but I love the questions because to me, That shows me that there is someone who is reading God's word and wanting to understand what is being said. They are inquisitive enough to say, hey, I'm reading this and either I don't understand the thing that's clearly being said, or I'm putting, you know, kind of piecing things together and understanding that this is a true narrative. This is a true written thing that has happened. And I want to make sure that I'm understanding it correctly. And again, I love it because people are not content with what they don't understand. They're challenging things that they've heard others say, or they're even just challenging their own understanding of what's being said. And that is a good sign that someone is actively engaged in reading their Bible because those weird little questions come up and those huge, massive questions that churches divide over will come up now still staying in line with this idea of challenging things that we don't understand or agree with is when we're searching answers, you know, I said, don't just go to Google and get the easy answer. Uh, You know, talk to mature Christians, do some work yourself, find a variety of, of sources and resources that you have at your disposal to understand the question. And something I would also encourage you to do, and maybe this isn't for everyone, but I would honestly encourage you if you're a little more mature, if you're a little more accustomed to study And you're, you don't just need to be in a safe bubble where, you know, you, you aren't as prone to just being kind of tossed to and fro with every persuasive argument. I would also encourage you to find answers from people you disagree with. And I would encourage this in all kinds of things. I would encourage you to read what other people have to say about things that should divide Christians or even things that are a bit what we would call secondary, but things that churches themselves should divide over. So things that don't change the gospel or salvation, but they do affect how we as Christians can whether or not we can worship together. And I say this because when we hear from people with different beliefs, and especially if those beliefs can be argued from Scripture—I'm not talking necessarily about people who they just strongly feel this way, but people who have a solid biblical foundation for believing what they believe—when we engage with those, then that has, I mean, a variety of benefits. But one of them is that we are being challenged to make sure that we are actually understanding what we believe— so when we're comparing someone who we would be more prone to agree with and someone who we are pretty confident we would disagree with, when they're engaging with the same text, when they're using similar scriptures, then we can see how they are going about doing it. And there is so much we can learn from that beyond just the getting the, the truthful answer to our question, but we are seeing how people arrive at truth and how we as Christians can't just have a single verse to prove what we believe, but we need to understand so much. And that gives us so much to grow on as we are continuing to try to learn and grow and understand. Or maybe we can start to realize that maybe we are wrong. Maybe just, you know, sitting in our own little echo chamber and only hearing people who we agree with and who agree with us and, you know, getting pats on our back because we are saying the right things. Maybe we'll start to see that as we are listening to other people, we are realizing that, what we thought was true really isn't. I mean, I, I love to hear uh, stories of people who came to Christ when they were in a completely different religion, you know, whether it was uh, Islam or Roman Catholicism or being a Jehovah's Witness. And all they did, they surround themselves with everyone telling them what is true and what to believe. But then when they started exploring outside of that and hearing other understandings of maybe even the same text, they started to realize, huh, something's a little fishy in what I've always thought was true. And God uses that. And as Christians, we don't want to be afraid of being wrong so much so that we will intentionally blind ourselves to the opportunity to see truth just because we are convinced that this one thing that we believe is absolutely, definitely true always and all the time. And that leads us to the next way that we develop Inquisitiveness, and that is to grow in humility. Because when we admit that we don't know something, or especially when we admit that we are wrong about something, that requires us to admit that we don't have all the answers. We don't have all knowledge and all truth. And so, settling for easy answers, like I talked about, that lets us feel smart. Oh, I got this clean package deal. I'm done in a minute and a half. Boom over and out. I've, I've got this huge biblical truth all figured out. I don't know what everyone else is arguing about. But ultimately, what that kind of thinking shows us is that our pride and the truth just don't go well together. They are very rarely compatible. If we are letting ourselves be controlled by a desire to feed our pride, then we're going to be afraid of coming to the truth because that might mean admitting that we were wrong, that the things we've said or done have not been in line with God's will. But if we want the truth, then one of the first things we have to do is to basically have the humility to say, I don't know, but I want to. And so if we want to develop this inquisitive mind, we have to stay humble. The more that we acknowledge our weaknesses, the more that we see our ignorance, the more we see the areas that we have to grow in if our greatest desire in all of this isn't to just be super-duper smart and be able to win arguments with people, but instead, if our greatest desire is to grow closer to God and to glorify Him by understanding Him or even being able to, to disciple others, then while these opportunities to admit that we're wrong can be painful and embarrassing, they're also going to be critical to our growth. And we're going to desire them because even if we don't like it, the gain that we get from it is worth so much more because we are growing closer to God. We are understanding more about him and his word. And if we are humble enough to admit that we don't have all truth, then God is going to lift us up and help us to better understand things and to use our love for him to help us grow in our knowledge of him. And then the last thing to developing, developing an inquisitive mind is to use the tools that are available to you. Now, as always, I'll plug myself here because the whole point of onward in the faith is to be a resource to you. You know, I know people can be entertained or they can, you know, kind of like the, the challenging things, or, you know, I know people, a lot of people are only here for the first 10 seconds of a show because they just love my amazing humor and listening to the rest of the show is just a side benefit, but really they're here for the awesome jokes. I know it, but you know, really onward in the faith, this ministry, me as a person, I am here to equip people to grow in their walk with Jesus Christ. And so I've, I mean, this whole ministry is a tool for you. And so just for my own offerings, if you will, uh, I have uh, several things that I'll list down in the show notes, but I've got how to read and understand the Bible, which is a podcast and an article. I have an article on how to use commentaries in your Bible reading. So taking uh, books or online resources where people have explained you know, basically the entire Bible, you know, the different passages and verses and things like that and how to use those in your Bible reading. Um, I've got something on questions to ask when something is confusing in the Bible. I've talked about using a Bible without verse numbers and why that can actually really enhance your Bible reading and remove some of the stumbling blocks and confusing things. And I've even talked about some encouragement for people who want to just read the Bible in a year and with that offering comfort for those who struggle. Um, And really, and I'll link this down below too, but I mean, these are just a small sampling of the things I've written to, to equip you. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link down to my website where you can go to the various topics of things I've written on. And one of those topics is just on the Bible and it helps you understand what the Bible is. It helps you to understand how to interact with it and find different tools and stuff that will help you. But that's just what's available on my own little website in this, you know, in this tiny ministry, there are hundreds, thousands of great things out there, whether it's websites or podcasts or YouTube channels or books or workbooks or just whatever. There is so much good stuff out there. So if there is something specific that you're wanting to to learn about or understand, then you know, use what I have available, talk to other Christians that you trust and see what they would recommend or what they use. Even in general, use other Christians as tools. And I, I don't say that meanly, but really I would... I would guess every mature believer out there, if we were to talk to them, they would say, really, I just want to be a tool for God. I want God to use me in the life of another believer. If that is what God calls for me to do, then I'm going to do it. And that is why men become pastors. That's why men become teachers. That's why people start ministries. It's because they want to serve God and not to do all the work themselves and act like they have something to offer to God that no one else does, but instead to really recognize that, Everything that we do is to the glory of God. And if God is calling certain people like me, like teachers that, you know, like other mature Christians that, you know, if they're calling us to serve other Christians who are struggling and wanting to grow and are desiring like the, the, this eunuch in acts to have someone explain truth to them, then we want to be used by God for that purpose. So use us, use the things that people have created But use it. Don't be so proud that you just need you and the Bible and the Holy Spirit and that's it. Because God has given us a community. God designed us to exist in community. We need other people. No matter how independent or antisocial or shy we are, we need other people. And especially when it comes to growing in God, God has given us the Holy Spirit which is, I mean, he, he's the most critical component of it. But within that gift of the, of the Spirit in our lives, we have other people who also have the Holy Spirit, the exact same Holy Spirit we have. And they will be used by God to help us grow, to help us learn, to help push us forward in our inquisitiveness and in trying to understand truth and understand how to arrive at truth so that we can grow and be that tool to other people. But with these tools that you find, whether it's books or teachers or whatever, remember, like the very one of the very first things I said in this episode, I said people can get so bogged down in trying to find the right reading schedule or devotional book or YouTube channel. And just listening to teacher after teacher and reading book after book and trying to find the perfect Bible with the perfect size and the perfect cover texture. And we can get so bogged down in finding all the right materials to help us. But if we do not have inquisitiveness when we're using these, then they are going to mean very little to us in the long run. Because while we are using them and hearing what they're doing and seeing what they're doing, we are not taking in. We are not using them to their full potential. And therefore, very, it's going to be very difficult for us to grow while using these tools if our motivation is not a hunger for understanding God's truth. So to wrap this up, kind of a lot talked about for one simple topic, but I want to really encourage you as you're thinking about this and hopefully as you are pursuing it and trying to grow in your inquisitiveness in asking questions and then going in, finding the answers to it, not the simple answers, but finding answers that are truth. I'm going to tell you, this is not something that just overnight, boom, you're just off to the races and you're, you know, got your, your. you're. you're desk or your kitchen table has just 20 books strewn about it and you're referencing all of them and highlighting everything and you might get there but it's not going to happen in a week so inquisitiveness in a in a long run situation right making this a natural part of your life requires two things it requires patience and it requires persistence patience, because this is going to be a brand new thing. You know, if you're out there and you're 30 years old, odds are good that you have not really had to dig for truth and answers since high school, maybe college. And even in that, it can be easy to skate by to where maybe you've never really made a lifetime habit of digging deep and thinking critically and not settling for answers. And again, in the culture we live in, I mean, it's we want the immediacy. I, I have a question, I can find the answer, and then I can claim that I know all truth because I found some quick three-sentence answer on on the Google search results. You know, that's, that's not being patient. That is being impatient and kind of shortcutting your way to answers, whether or not you know if those answers are true. So this is going to take a lot of patience. And there's going to be times where you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to feel like you're not making any gains and that these, you know, you're asking, you know, all these questions every day and you only feel like you're arriving at good answers on half of them. And why even bother? Why continue? You know, why can't you just, just do what the Google search results said and just call it a day again, patience, because this isn't about reaching a certain Amount of knowledge. It's not like we're trying to fill a cup with X amount of Bible facts. And once you have that amount, then you're really a, a mature Christian. This is about a completely life changing and revolutionary way for you to think about God's word and life in general. It's hard and it takes a long time because you are, if you will, you are deprogramming yourself from a conditioning that you've never even realized was there. You've been trained or you've trained yourself to think about information in a certain way and to find information in a certain way, to digest it or reject it in a certain way. And most often those ways are not conducive. They don't contribute. They aren't helpful for arriving at true, solid biblical truth that allows you to have a deeper faith in your God because you better understand him and his word. So be patient. This is worth it. I guarantee you there is a reason that God's word speaks so positively about training, about discipleship, about a hunger for knowledge, about God rewarding those who seek him. It's because this way of thinking is glorifying to God at the end of the day. So, you may not arrive at truth. You may not learn. You may not ask good questions as quickly as someone else. But it's not a competition. It's not a comparison to other Christians. It is about being faithful to God, the word that he's given you and the resources that he's made available to you so that you can grow closer to him. Both on a on a hor- on an up and down level where it's you and God growing and horizontally where you are growing closer to God through other Christians in your life. And then obviously, along with that, this also demands not just patience, but also persistence. It's not one of those things where you can, you know, once a week, once a month, occasionally, when you think about it, ask questions and try to find answers. That's good. That is a a solid step but if all we're doing is just occasionally engaging with the text, occasionally asking questions, then we're not really living this out. We're just trying it on for size. But again, inquisitiveness, it is a lifestyle. It is something that defines who you are. It is something that people are going to notice about you and say, hey, they are inquisitive. Okay, they won't use the word inquisitive because only nerds use that word. Hi, I'm Ray. I'm a nerd. But people are going to notice it about you and and notice that this is a a core part of your personality that you are just inquisitive you ask questions you search for true answers that are grounded in God's word you don't settle for easy answers you you want to grow and you even invest that knowledge and understanding in that journey that you've been on you invest it in others this really is a lifestyle this is a total Reprogramming of who you are as a person, and it takes time, and you need to keep at it. You're going to hit walls, where you're going to say, "Am I going to find a way to push through this wall, or am I just going to stop because it's too hard?" I encourage you: persist, keep going, to not settle for good enough. Only settle for truth, and you're going to do this every day of your life until you go to be with your Savior, because. None of us are going to arrive at an end point in our learning and in our growth and in our understanding of truth. We will always have new questions in our reading. If you ask three questions a day and you read your Bible every day, you will never have a day where you're like, boy, I just don't have any new questions. Because what is amazing about this is that when we don't treat God's word as a puzzle to solve, but instead a revealing of our God, then With each passing year, as our questions get deeper, as our understanding grows, then we're going to realize that we aren't trying to reach an end to our learning. But instead, we're going to realize that we are never going to be able to exhaust the riches of God's word. And we're going to realize more and more that the God we love, that the God we worship, is not some simple concept, but that God is so full and so unknowable. But that God allows us and encourages us and even causes us to know him more through the word that he's given us. So today, tomorrow, when you read God's word, don't just be passive. Don't just settle. Don't just shrug your shoulders, but ask your three questions, dig for truth, and keep growing in your walk with God.